Welcome to the OG Advocates Podcast. Welcome to a special reaction episode of the OG Advocates. I'm Katie McHugh, and I'm here with our usual co-host, Dr. Megan Evans, and we have three special guests with us tonight. Dr. Caitlin Bernard is a family planning trained OBGYN at Indiana University. Dr. Tracy Wilkinson is a pediatrician with a special emphasis in research into adolescence and contraception. She is also a board member of Physicians for Reproductive Health. And Dr. Lou Ireland is a family planning trained OBGYN at University of Massachusetts. Thank you all so much for joining us on this most special of days. So we're gathering here tonight because of the leaked Supreme Court uh, opinion draft. And uh, we're kind of just needing some connection and community and responses. Uh, so what are your responses to all of this? I mean, I feel like for me, I feel like we all knew this was coming. You know, we knew that most likely they were going to, you know, overturn Roe v. Wade, or as someone told me recently, that the decision was either going to be bad, badder, or baddest. So I think that, you know, we knew that something bad was coming, but I, I think it's still hard to see it in writing and know, you know, the devastating impact that it's going to have in so many states across the country. And, you know, we'll talk about what potentially it's going to look like, because we're, you know, it, it's interesting on this podcast right now is that we're in, you know, very blue states and very red states. And so just kind of what you all are anticipating and what myself and Lou are anticipating. I think for me, I've been vacillating between anger and heartbreak all day, just kind of ping-ponging back and forth. I think, you know, I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. I, I feel incredibly frustrated because reading Alito's opinion piece and hearing the anti-choice discourse about why Roe needs to be dismantled is in complete opposition to the stories that I hear every single week when I go to work and I sit across from a patient who is making the decision to end a pregnancy. You know, all of those reasons are different all of those reasons are incredibly valid. And all of those reasons are things that the average American would very easily relate to. Um, and it frustrates me that those stories are not what's informing the Supreme Court ruling and the future of abortion access. Yeah, I would definitely echo the feelings of rage and grief today. I think, um, you know, we knew this was coming. I was um, kind of holding my breath till June and now it just makes it worse to have that sooner rather than later um, to know what's coming and to feel even more um, urgency in preparing and strategizing and getting ready for how we're going to take care of patients you know, day one, as soon as this goes into effect. Um, but I also am a lot of the rage I think I'm feeling about um, how we got to this point. 
you know, I am relatively early in my career. And so I haven't been here, you know, I haven't been doing this work for the past 20 to 30 years. Um, but I can't believe that we have gotten to this point. I can't believe that people have, you know, not done the work needed to prevent this from happening. And we knew it was going to happen. Um, and yet we did nothing. It feels that we did not do enough to stop it from happening in the first place. Yeah, I will echo everything that you all said. I think being a um, radical feminist in Indiana, I'm used to being really disappointed all the time. And I think what hit me today was that I just felt really unprepared for this moment, despite feeling disappointed constantly. Um, and so I think that that's the part that hurt. And also I feel like my rage is directed at everyone in every direction. Um, I'm mad at allies. I'm mad at the other side. I'm mad at everybody. And I know that that rage will subside eventually, but, um, I, I just feel like there's so much blame to go around and that is what, um, makes me furious. I have to completely agree with Tracy. I am mad at all the obvious parties, but I've also been carrying around this resentment to a lot of my fellow very pro-choice OBGYNs. I cannot wrap my mind around the fact that most of my colleagues who are very comfortable providing miscarriage management in the first trimester draw a line between providing first trimester abortion care um, and yet still walk into this, um, this Supreme Court news with outrage. I mean, I think a huge part of the issue is that abortion care, even though it's common, even though one in four women will have an abortion in her lifetime, um, it's still so siloed. I mean, we've basically offered it up on the chopping block, chopping block in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, today when people were like, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. I'm like, why can't you believe it? You know, every single thing that's happened in the last 20 years, especially, you know, in the last four to five, where with an unprecedented amount of anti-abortion legislation in states across the country, like, why can't you believe it? that we would end up here. Same thing with Texas. Like, why couldn't you believe that would happen in a place like Texas and now Oklahoma and Florida? And, and you know, I think that one, one thing that's very, that the, the anti-choice side does very well is that they organize, they fall in line and they, a defeat is not a defeat. It's a learning opportunity. What do we need to make different? And let's move on to the next phase. And I feel like we have, never really been able to do that well and really been able to do it like they have. And, you know, I think one thing I'm telling people too is that like, don't think that row falls and that's it, they're done, their work is over. As um, Rebecca Hart Holder, who's um, president of what formerly known as Massachusetts NARAL says, um, they have a 50 state plan. They don't have a 20 state plan. They don't have a 26 state plan. It is a 50 state plan. So the fall of Roe is a huge win for them, but it's not over. 
it will continue, they will continue to move forward and they will continue to organize and to continue to dismantle abortion rights in this country. Yeah, and Megan, I would argue that it won't stop with abortion. No, I think yeah, that totally. we are definitely, um, you know, going to see attacks on birth control access. Um, you know, every, I think everything is on the chopping block right now. I think that um, the fact that a lot of our community is also, um, you know, fighting multiple battles about trans care or critical race theory and all these other issues that we are incredibly passionate about. Um, it says not like, you know, it, it just feels like we're all fighting multiple battles at the same time. And so I think that that also is like the perfect storm for us to be diluted. And, um, and that kind of discipline that you talked about, Megan, I've never seen in any Democrat issue or in any Democratic Party leadership. And so that's the part that terrifies me because we, we have to have that to ever get back. And so the part that scares the shit out of me is that I don't, actually, yeah, <laughs> I don't actually see that happening. And so that means that this is this might be it, at least in my lifetime. And that breaks my fucking heart. It breaks it so hard because I can't imagine leaving my kids in this world and a world that is like so much worse than the world of like, you know, the 1800s for crying out loud. Like we're literally going backwards in time. And like, I've chosen to raise my family in a state now where like, they're not equal. They have been told that their bodies and their, they as people are not equal. The Supreme Court of the United States has just made that very clear. And that is so, so hard to explain. Yeah, five people, five people get to make that decision. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, your point about that people have been able to turn away from it and separate it from everything else is one of the most frustrating things, right? This idea that they can somehow other people who have abortions, people who provide abortions, abortion care, you know, as part of women's health, as part of reproductive health, um, that it's not your problem because you don't live in a state that's going to be restricted, or it's not your problem because you don't need an abortion or you haven't needed an abortion um, is, is the biggest travesty because we know that the effects of these laws affect all of us, right? Maternal mortality affects all of us. You know, um, the lack of contraceptive care affects all of us. And until we can understand that these laws affect all of us, so many people will feel the luxury of not having to deal with it, not having to, you know, face it, not having to let it be their problem and, and won't, and won't organize, won't um, support those of us who do realize that. In Indiana today, it was an election day. It was a, a voting day and I really struggled and I usually get so excited and so like motivated and amped up on election days. Um, I just get all jazzed up by the whole civic duty thing. And today I was so frustrated and disappointed and just so upset because this decision was made by people who were nominated by folks who were not elected by the majority, by th this was not a democratic process. And it made me feel really 
hopeless. It made me feel like there wasn't a way forward because before I always thought, well, we, we just need to get people out to vote. We need the, you know, these voter registration drives. And that was always something that I worked on and emphasized when I talked to people about things that you can do, you know, there as, as advocates, we're always thinking about next steps and action items and so forth. And voting was always at the top. And today I thought, why are we bothering with all, uh, like with how broken things are right now? How is it that we will ever dig our way out of this? I just felt really hopeless. I, other Indiana folks, did you feel that way too today? I know you all voted because we were texting about it. Yeah. To be I, honest, I chose my, um, our, my representative based on whether they had talked up, you know, had said anything about abortion today. I literally made my voting decision based on that because I think these are the moments, right? These are the moments where people show their true colors. And if you're not going to speak out about it, then you are absolutely useless to me. And that's what, you know, 99% of um, political people, you know, are these days, they're too chicken shit to talk about abortion because they're going to lose some percentage of their voters who have this as a single issue and not be honest about the absolutely devastating effects that it's going to have, you know, on women in their state. And if they're not willing to, you know, represent my needs and the needs of my daughters and my patients, then I have no patience for them. Yeah, I also, you know, I was thinking, I was like, is the silver lining if this happens that the state house can actually now pass legislation that will do something better for our community? Because all we do is focus on legislation to slash abortion access in Indiana. That's what they pay attention to. And so I would love to see all these people, all of my neighbors who consider themselves, quote, pro-life, actually ask their legislators what they're doing to make our communities better, our schools better, our healthcare access better. Like, let's now start talking about your pro-life stance on all these other issues. And I hope that we can hold them accountable to that because that's what they said that this was all about. You know, now that we don't have to worry about you know, abortion, let's start focusing on all those life issues that you care so much about and that you've been so worried about. Um, and so I hope that all those people that will never get on our side to like agree on this one issue will at least stand with me and hold those like legislators accountable for all the lip service they've been giving and the complete bullshit they've been doing for the last 50 years so that possibly we can actually get some good out of this and a better community to raise our families. Well said, Tracy. I, I mean, I think that's the the missing, and I, I actually don't think they care, honestly, at the end of the day. It's not really you know, a pro-life issue because if it was, they'd be passing that legislation. They would be focusing on maternal mortality, infant mortality. I don't know the rates in Indiana, but I'm sure they could be better. Um, and you know, the reality is, as we know this, is that when you don't have access to abortion, every pregnancy has the potential to be unsafe. And when you don't have providers that know how to do the procedure, then you're, you're either women are dying or you're doing very morbid procedures like a hysterectomy unnecessarily. And I think that's gonna be the reality, you know, when this happens is that the training is gonna be divided and we're gonna be fine right now in the blue states and we'll be able to provide that emergency service. and 
the the training will just disappear slowly over time in in the states that um, have banned abortion. Just you know, having this discussion about the impact of the fall of Roe, I, I think there's all the obvious stuff. You know, less access to safe abortion care, increase in abortion complications, which obviously are going to affect our mar marginalized communities. Right? It's not going to affect the privileged folks who can travel out of state, take the time off, arrange childcare and transportation to get their services. It's gonna affect our black and brown pregnant people. It's gonna affect our LGBTQ populations. Um, it's gonna affect our immigrants. It's gonna affect all the people who, who need the access and don't have the financial and social capital to get the outcomes they deserve. I think the other piece that I've been thinking a lot about is um, a new era of criminalizing pregnant people. And we saw this with Lizelle Herrera in Texas, right? Like an obvious and very rational response to all of this is an increase in self-managed abortion, which can be done completely safely when people have access to the right medications and the right information. Um, but when those folks seek emergency care or seek follow-up medical care, I really worry about the role of healthcare workers seeing themselves as law enforcement. And that is gonna happen much more with our black and brown patients. And it's gonna happen much more with our patients who are undocumented, much more with our queer patients. And that is very, very scary to me. We already know what law enforcement does to people of color. And I feel like we are about to see a whole nother chapter to that. Yeah, we in Indiana have um, unfortunately a really, uh, really scary um, past of imprisoning and um, prosecuting and jailing women for um, for pregnancy complications, for losses of pregnancy, um, you know, and and in addition to the long list of people you mentioned, young people. I mean, I worry so much about teenagers. One of the most, you know, tragic deaths from abortion in Indiana was a teenager who had to travel out of state um, because she didn't have ability to get parental consent for her abortion, um, and and you know, her name is still spoken here in Indiana, and that that type of a story is only going to be replicated over and over again once we have what will very much likely be a total abortion ban here in Indiana. Yeah, and I also worry about like this on the landscape of the internet, right? Like we are in a world where information is obtainable by anyone at any time, right? And so you, I have no doubt that there will be things online or uh, you know, videos, whatever, like how to's that a young person or anybody could find and think that like they could do this themselves and get in trouble. But like, what terrifies me to your point, Lou, earlier is like, this will affect marginalized communities. And we just came out of a pandemic. where like, it's quite clear, like, we don't care if marginalized communities die at higher rates. Like we don't care as a society, we have decided that we don't care. And so it terrifies me that we're walking into this knowing that like, that's a standard. So like, why would women be different 
or people with uteruses be different? It, they probably won't. Um, and, and the privileged will always be able to have access. So they're not the ones that will be dying or having you know, legal enforce, law enforcement involved. It's going to be the people that, that don't have any voice to speak up for themselves. I'm just cringing at the conversations and the news reports when people are horrified by women dying, that they're going to be like, how could this happen? How is this happening? Even though we're screaming it from the rooftops um, that, you know, this is going to happen if there's an abortion ban, but you know, that's, that, that's, is our future. I don't understand how could this happen? And especially when it's like so many other situations, you know, that congressman who was the first one to stand up against gay marriage and then has a gay son, and now he's okay with it. It's going to be the same situation when it's his niece who died of a, you know, a pregnancy complication or self-induced abortion. It'll be different then. Yeah. I sometimes think like how many how many stories do we need, right? Like how many, how many times do I have to tell my patients stories? How many, how many patients do we need to let die before people will realize, you know, the reality, you know, what people are actually going through, you know, like you said, Lou, in the beginning, these are, people have no idea, no idea the stories that we hear from our patients. They have no idea what they're facing. They have no idea the difficulty of the decisions that they're making, of the situations they're facing, you know, and it's one of those things where a lot of times people say, well, oh yeah, well, I can understand in that situation, but, you know, dot, 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 and then over and over and over again. Um, but I, 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 it's scary to think how many people are going to have to die before we're able to reverse it. So as we, as we move forward in this new landscape, I have a couple questions. The first one being, how do we support each other? Because right now I can't think about, like I'm so upset that it's hard to think about the bigger picture. It's hard to even fathom how many people this will harm. And so I kind of, I'm thinking of like my people, like how do we support the people who work in abortion? Um, What do we do to help these people who have given, in many cases, um, their their salaries, their time, their energy, in some cases, their lives to this work. How do we support these people? I don't know. I think that's the hard part is it's, um, you know, in some ways it feels like we're already so burnt out, right? Like we've been fighting this for so long and yet it's only the beginning. So it's like, we're in this like, I don't know, black hole or something. And I, I can't at all see a way to get out. So I, I don't, I don't have a good answer to that. And isn't that the point, you know, isn't that the like exhaust the, the opposition, exhaust them to the point where, and and like the shock value is, we don't like nothing really shocks us anymore in a way. And we're just also exhausted that it's hard to muster the energy to put up the fight that this deserves. I will say that relationships like this, having colleagues like you all who get it, for whom I don't have to explain my frustration, for whom I can scream 
fuck into the void. <laughs> um, I feel like y'all are what's keeping me going right now. Um, because it's a really exhausting and lonely road. Otherwise, I would say the other thing I need is for our colleagues to step up. Yes. My God. And I would say that to our OBGYN colleagues who are not at present providing abortion care, but have the ability and the skill set to do it. I would say that to our non OBGYN mm -hmm. colleagues um, who get what it means, who are, I guess, I would say our non-OBGYN colleagues who prize the ability to make decisions for their patients purely based on what is clinically appropriate without legislative interference, like they need to step up because this is not like we talked about, this is not going to stop with abortion care. Yeah. Um, and if they can legislate the way that I provide abortion care, they're going to start legislating how we do all the other care that doesn't fall into the evangelical Christian, you know, uh, set of idealized healthcare. It's yeah. just AMA, we're waiting for you to say <laughs> something. Yeah, I mean, that, Lou, you just jogged my memory that I got like so many emails today from like so many different groups, like nothing from any pediatric group, um, local or national, um, nothing from the AMA. Um, I'm a part of a lot of different medical organizations and everything I got today was all reproductive health focused. Um, and that is really disappointing because I think that's part of the reason why we're here for sure. You know, like I think that I kind of laughed when all these people with COVID were totally aghast when everybody did not believe the science behind like vaccines and masks and all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of laughed because I was like, oh, welcome to the party and what abortion activists have been dealing with for decades. We have been dealing with like junk science being thrown at us, being legislated, being mandated and nobody believing our science on the other side. So I'm so sorry this is hard for you, but you have allowed this to happen to our little silo over here and you have never said anything. You've never had a problem with it. Um, but now that it's an infectious disease doctor, we're not okay with it. I saw, you know, I, do, I did a lot of doom scrolling in the last 24 hours and I saw this tweet that made me laugh and I wish I pinned it or remembered who wrote it so we could tag it or something. But um, it said something along the lines of, um, feed your abortion friends today. No, seriously, someone bring me breakfast. Uh, because I very much feel that, that feeling of like, I like can barely get out of bed. I can barely function. I can barely see the next patient. I can just barely like keep it together. Um, so with that in mind, we've talked about some of our colleagues stepping up. Uh, what do we do next as a movement? With knowing this is a draft opinion, knowing that the real one, the big one, um, in whatever form it will be, will come out probably next month. What do we do for the next month? Do we rest? Do we work? Do we fight? What do we do? I feel like all of the above. 
just uh, Katie, I felt the same way this morning. Like I was just so depressed. I literally was, did not want to do anything, did not want to get out of bed. And then, you know, the requests for interviews started coming in and it really energized me, you know, for a couple hours because I could focus on, you know, writing down the truth, right. Writing down our story as abortion providers at, for our patients and getting that out to as many people as I possibly could here in Indiana. Uh, you know, th these were just like mainstream um, media, you know, outlets who want to finally fucking talk about yeah. it, right? And finally, you know, are, are paying attention for one minute to this fight. Um, and the fact that I was able to, number one, just do something, channel the rage, um, and number two, you know, get our story out there as much as possible to get people hopefully, possibly engaged um, in, in the fight ahead. Um, and it's hard to know exactly what that fight looks like. Um, but I think for us here in Indiana, it means talking about it. It means um, calling our governor and telling him not to call a special session. You know, we could have a total abortion ban here in Indiana as early as um, this summer, if he al allows that to happen. And so making our voice heard um, that, you know, within our um, government, you know, as much as possible, um, in a completely red state, completely Republican run, like we have, you know, um, a whispering prayer of doing anything, but as much as we possibly can. And then for me as an abortion provider, it means strategizing right now to figure out how I'm going to take care of patients. Um, as soon as that, that abortion ban is passed. Yeah, I also, I read, you know, that Politico piece and in the Justice Alito's leaked opinion, he said that, you know, outside the people, the general public's opinion won't impact their decision. I call bullshit on that. Like, I just cannot imagine that they're, they're human beings. They watch the news. They, they have friends. They have colleagues. We clearly see um, Justice Clarence Thomas is influenced by outside factors. So I just don't believe that. And so I think that this is not, not the time to be silent. And I want everyone else to be as mad and angry and loud as we are. And, and I think that, you know, you're right. Like I, I'm so happy that all the reproductive health organizations are talking about it, but I want the anesthesiologists to talk about it. I want the family medicine doctors. I want the orthopedic surgeons to talk about it because they also take care of people who have uteruses and it matters. So everyone needs to step up and join this with us. We cannot do it alone. I'm thinking about the cardiologist who's patient with pulmonary hypertension they referred to me for an abortion. I'm thinking about the oncologist who referred their patient on chemo for an abortion. Like we take care of the same people. We're advocating for the same patients. Like let's step up. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, I do feel like it does give us like a little bit of like, um, a runway to get everybody up to speed before the final decision comes out. I have been like, blown away with the amount of liberal friends that are completely clueless at the moment. And it's infuriating. Like I asked them to donate to my like passionate organizations that are all reproductive health, but yet they're still completely like clueless that this was going on, that this is happening, that this might impact where they're living. Um, and yeah, so I, I do think it gives us a little bit of a runway to get everybody up to speed. Um, 
but it also uh, reminds me that like, we have to have tangible things for people to do. Like I keep telling people, I'm like, start donating to abortion funds, okay? Because very quickly, people are going to have to travel hundreds of miles, maybe thousands of miles to get to an abortion. And we have to make sure there's enough money in those funds because Indiana's abortion fund runs out every month. And so if you live in a state where there is like not the threat like in a few weeks, like we have feel in Indiana, then like open your checkbooks and get that money into those abortion funds in those other states. Um, and so that's the other part that I'm like, maybe, maybe this runway can be helpful. That's so true. Like if you, if folks don't have time, don't have bandwidth, one thing you can do is open your pocketbooks and donate. Um, and not just one time, make it a recurrent donation because God knows this money is going to be needed by folks for a very, very long time. And abortion funds are great when the people can get to the places that provide abortion, but sometimes the abortion funds won't cover the travel expenses or the lodging costs that are required or whatever. So that's another thing to look into when people are evaluating where to send their money. They can send some money to their local abortion fund, some money to a, a centralized abortion fund, and then look for the places that will help with the lodging and the transportation as well. Um, those places exist. This is not a chance or a time to be reinventing the wheel. Like this stuff already exists and we need to find it and fund it. We don't need to be diluting our efforts and our funding. Um, so that's another place where I think people can really do some good. And we'll definitely put links in the show notes. Yeah, I'm just gonna put a plug for the Midwest Regional Logistics Center, which is gonna be based out of um, Planned Parenthood of the um, Missouri um, um, area, which is actually in Southern Illinois. Um, and so they're gonna be fielding tons of patients from uh, Missouri, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio. I mean, it's really going to be like across the Midwest. They're going to be um, helping to to get patients, you know. And I think um, one thing, you know, for people who want to get more into the nitty gritty of the details is, you know, a lot of people can go to outpatient clinics to have abortions. Right? We know that that is safe and effective for the vast majority of people. But there's this entire other group of people who need hospital-based abortions, um, whether that's because of a pre-existing condition or a complication in the pregnancy. Um, and that, you know, for those of us who work in hospitals and in academic centers is an entire other logistical nightmare of how to get patients in, you know, procedures that out-of-pocket costs tens of thousands of dollars um, when they have no insurance coverage for it. There, nobody is prepared um, to be to be seeing and 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 covering the patient the expenses for all of these patients um and so we really need people's money just to just to add on the um putting money where your money where it's going to be most useful um i am a huge advocate of planned parenthood but i will be clear planned parenthood has a lot of money like the majority of of clinics that are providing abortion care are small and independent. Those are the ones that need your money. So keepourclinics.org. If you want a good place to support a local abortion clinic, please share your cash with them. 
And I also would just say, um, I forget who said this earlier about the 50 state strategy. Um, I don't think that we should uh, forget the fact that this probably initially will look like a red and blue state situation, but um, you know the eye on the prize is to eventually outlaw abortion everywhere. And so, um, please don't forget that just because you live maybe in a state with like lots of liberal elected officials, that this could not come down from Congress, um, especially given the way they are projecting the congressional map flipping and Congress's control flipping over to. Um, Republicans in a few months. And, um, you know, the threats on both sides have already started about getting rid of the filibuster to like make sure to codify Roe. Um, and Mitch McConnell has said very clearly, like you get rid of the filibuster and the very first thing that we will do is codify the sanctity of life. And so if that were to happen, we would be in a very different place, not long from now, we're talking about six months from now. Um, and so I just want people to also be cognizant that like, um, that there's more on the table for them to chop and take away from us. And coming from the blue state of Massachusetts, that's something that Megan and I have already discussed. Um, being in an abort, quote unquote, abortion friendly state, um, we are very, very cognizant of the idea that we cannot get comfortable um, because you're right, they're, they're coming for all of us. Which I think puts a plug uh, for, you know, organizations like the Center for Reproductive Rights, you know, for donations, because, you know, this is going to be a legal battle and a political battle in so many, um, in so many different ways. And they're, you know, really the people who are protecting um, and fighting for us um, in, in the courts. So we need to rest. We need to gather our strength, gather our resources and get ready for a big fight is what I'm hearing. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. This is a big issue. This will not be the last time we talk about it. So we are so grateful for your expertise, for your passion and for your willingness to be vulnerable with us on this really, really vulnerable day. So thank you all so much. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review and tell your friends and colleagues to check us out and subscribe. See you next time.